Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wellness Check. I'm BB, and I'm Cece. And before we begin, it's important that we provide a content warning for this episode. In this episode, we are going to be discussing how to prevent interpersonal and gender-based violence. We know that trauma is pervasive, its impact is deep, and this impact shapes the life of folks impacted in various ways over time. And trauma can lie dormant and then can surface in unexpected ways at moments that are also unexpected. And in case you need support, there are confidential resources available to you. You can reach a survivor advocate at 541-737-2030. You can also reach them via email at survivoradvocacy at oregonstate.edu or make an appointment online at https, uh, all the colon and forward slash forward slash, all that good stuff, um, at studenthealth.oregonstate.edu slash SARC, S-A-R-C. This information has also been included in the social media description for this podcast. Thank you for that, CC. And to start off this episode, we want to talk a little bit about what the term interpersonal and gender-based violence prevention really means. So in short, interpersonal and gender-based violence prevention is how we stop violence from ever occurring. There are three types of prevention that we look at as defined by the Sexual Assault Task Force, or SATF Oregon. So first, we have primary prevention. And primary prevention strategies aim to stop violence from ever happening in the first place and address the root causes of violence. These strategies provide more lasting change and return on investment. Examples include the violence prevention team at OSU, the sexual health team at OSU, changing social norms, dismantling systems of oppression, and things along those lines. There's also secondary prevention. Secondary prevention strategies, including awareness strategies, aim to increase awareness that sexual, gender-based, and interpersonal violence are issues in the community and they're issues that need addressing. Keep in mind, under this category, violence is already occurring, and it aims to stop further violence from happening. So examples can be awareness campaigns about violence and sharing statistics. And then lastly, we have tertiary prevention. And tertiary prevention is how we respond to violence that has already occurred. This includes mechanisms and strategies to respond to survivors in trauma-informed ways and how we teach individuals ways to reduce their likelihood of victimization. So this could include... Um, survivor advocates assisting and supporting survivors, or SANES, which are sexual assault nurse examiners, uh, financial funds for survivors, things along those lines. But for this episode specifically, we're going to focus on primary prevention. And sometimes understanding what primary prevention really is can be difficult. Very true. Um So to help us visualize and understand the essence of primary prevention, we wanted to share a metaphor with y'all. So imagine that you come across a pond and the pond looks really murky. There's a bunch of really sick fish in it. You want to help these fish, obviously. So you remove them from the pond and take care of them until they appear to be in better health. And then you put them back in the pond that they originally came from. But it takes almost no time for those fish that you put back in to get sick again. What would you do? 
Would you take the fish back out, try to heal them, and then put them back in the pond again? Probably not. You try to get rid of whatever is making them sick in the pond so that they stop getting sick in the first place. That's essentially what primary prevention is. When we engage in primary prevention, we are trying to stop people from ever experiencing interpersonal and gender-based violence in the first place. We are aiming to change the environments and norms that allow for this type of violence to occur. Exactly, Cece. So now that we've talked about what primary prevention is, let's talk about some of the root causes of interpersonal and gender-based violence. Uh, we look at this in three different realms. So we have oppression, privilege, and prejudice. When we are talking about this, please keep in mind how these aspects vary and intersect depending on our identities. So let's start with oppression. Oppression creates systems that discriminate against some groups and benefit benefits another, such as ableism, racism, classism, sexism, ageism, all of the isms. Um, people can experience multiple types of oppression. And when we this is when we are taught to value some people less than other people explicitly or implicitly, because sometimes we aren't always aware of how we're taught that and how we engage in that. And when this happens, we're learning the foundations of violence and learning to be capable of violence. Mm -hmm. Yes. And there's also privilege, which grants advantages to members of dominant groups at the expense of members of target groups. This is characteristically invisible to people who have it. Uh, people in the dominant group often believe that everyone could have access to these privileges if they work hard enough, which is a very common theme that we hear, especially in the United States. Yes, and especially with white privilege and white supremacy. Mm -hmm. And then we also have prejudice, which is a thought process. So this is an idea about the characteristics of a certain group of people apply to all members of that group, uh, challenging to change regardless of the evidence against it. So even if there's a ton of evidence against whatever prejudice is held, um, that prejudice doesn't change. It resists change. And each of us may hold prejudices due to our own experiences, whether we're aware of them or not. And some of these root causes may seem a little overwhelming, but there are all things that we can be doing in our daily lives to actively prevent interpersonal and gender-based violence, which is good. So these are some examples of things you can do on a regular basis that can help to um, make our communities healthier and safer. So the first thing is to disrupt harmful jokes, statements, and language when we hear them from others. You can also educate yourself and others. This can be done by continuing your own education, sharing what you know with others, or advocating for groups you're a part of to pursue prevention education. You can also demonstrate support for survivors. If you want to get to know more, more about OSU's advocate team and what they do, check out our previous two-part podcast series, Let's Introduce the SARC Team, because we really go in-depth about what exactly they do and all the amazing things they do for survivors. Those are all great ways to practice primary prevention, CC. And some other things you can do as well is vote for legislation and leaders that push to dismantle systems of oppression and create equity. Uh, you can also model positive prevention behavior, which encompasses inclusion and empathy for others. Learn, practice, and promote being an active bystander, as well as learn, practice, and promote consent culture. 
And so something we want you all to keep in mind is that this episode is just a really brief overview of primary prevention. There's so much more to learn in practice, such as being an active bystander and engaging in consent culture and all of the other things that CC went over, too. Um, if you want to get involved in interpersonal and gender-based violence prevention or get your club or organization involved, we have some resources for you. So one thing that you can do is reach out to Elizabeth Kennedy, who is the Interim Director of Interpersonal and Gender-Based Violence at OSU. And her email is elizabeth.kennedy at oregonstate.edu. And she can come in and get you or your organization or clubs scheduled for workshops regarding uh, violence prevention and things like that. Um, so there are that is a free resource that is available. Um, the Oregon Sexual Assault Task Force or SATF has a lot of free resources, trainings and webinars to provide you with more knowledge about interpersonal and gender based violence prevention and to help you build your prevention skills. So definitely encourage you all to check them out at OregonSATF.org. And those are both great great resources to reach out to, especially Elizabeth. She is truly wonderful. And the Oregon Sexual Assault Task Force does a lot, so much for our local and statewide community. Um, they really are amazing. So if any of you listening are interested in kind of exploring more of what primary prevention looks like, um, we definitely recommend that you delve into these resources. But unfortunately, that is all we have for today. I'm so sorry. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. So as always, don't forget to follow Student Health Services social media accounts. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching OSU Student Health Services. And make sure you hit subscribe and follow to get the latest health news, tips, and reminders of when podcasts go out. So until next time, check yourself. Bye. Bye. A production of Oregon State University Student Health Services.